Good afternoon from Tyler, Texas. This is Bill Allen with West Irwin Church of Christ uh, doing our Tuesday, Thursday Facebook Bible study. Hope that you're able to catch these. I'm doing them at uh, um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And I hope that uh, you're able to watch some of these. We're in the midst of Colossians. I've done previous studies uh, from Matthew and the book of Acts and the Psalms and Lots of things that you can find on our westerwin.com website under social media and resources. Click down to the live streaming page. Go down and click on video archive and you can just find a whole bunch of them there. You can also find them on my Facebook page, uh, which you may be watching this on. And if that's the case, then just scroll down, uh, pause as you look at the pictures of those beautiful, wonderful grandchildren, and then uh, just keep going down and, uh, and you'll find some more of these lessons. Uh, this past Tuesday, we opened up a two-part study, which is kind of a four-part study. This week, we're looking at Thou Shalt Nots, found in Colossians 3, and next week, we'll be looking at the Thou Shalt's. And so I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we're uh, covering Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11 this week as we look at a passage that talks about uh, some things that are forbidden in the Christian life. We live in a culture and in a time here in this country where I don't know that that's a very popular thing to believe, that there are some things that are forbidden, that there are some things that God considers sin. As we spoke about on Tuesday, introducing this study, uh, talked about the Ten Commandments, that they're not the Ten Suggestions, that they are they are things that are very important uh, for us in how we live. And in the New Testament, we find all of those that are, uh, all of those repeated and reaffirmed. Uh, the Sabbath, which is the seventh day, Saturday, the day of worship and rest for the Jews, has now become the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week. And uh, we are called upon to assemble together and to encourage one another to worship our God together as a family on Sundays, commemorating when Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. But throughout Scripture, we find the commandments, Old Testament and New. And in the New Testament, we have several passages where there are lists of things that we are called upon to do because we're Christians. That's what we'll look at next week but also things that we are called upon to refrain from doing. And that's what we're looking at this week, the thou shalt nots, if you will. So I've got Larry and Lynn with us today. I've got my good, dear friend and wonderful sister Tia with us as well. Great to see your name there. And um, we're going to jump right in so that we can work through this list in Colossians chapter three. There are other passages that are listed uh, on the little description of this class. Uh, passages such as Romans 1, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. You're familiar with that one, the works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, um, and others. Uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 later on as we close out this study. But I wanted to remind you of a little article I mentioned on Tuesday. You can listen to the message on Tuesday for the whole list. But uh, several years ago, CNN had a list of uh, the uh, the Ten Commandments rewritten by a group of atheists. They had a contest, an individual sent in uh, what really amounts to non-commandments. And, uh, and we mentioned those. I read that list uh, this past Tuesday. 
And um, and one of the uh, one of the primary ones, I think, perhaps one that everything else is kind of based on was commandment number nine, which says there is no one right way to live. And I think if there's a good one sentence description of the current culture in this country and unfortunately, in some cases, even within the church, the body of Christ. There is a, um, a prevailing belief that says exactly that. There is no one right way to live. There's no ultimate truth. There's no ultimate good, no ultimate evil. It's basically do whatever you think is right in your own heart, whatever makes you happy, whatever gives you fulfillment without uh, stepping on anybody else's toes. And, and that's, um, that's the prevailing thought, I think, for many in our country. Uh, but it's also something that is absolutely 100% contrary to what the Bible says. If you're going to believe that Scripture is the inspired and authoritative Word of God, then you're not going to be able to believe that, because that is an absolute contradiction of the teaching of Scripture, including the words of Jesus of Nazareth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's always been a call for the people who follow Christ uh, for the people who want to serve God, there's always been a call that uh, demands a certain lifestyle. Yes, we we do that imperfectly, but that doesn't change the fact that that's what we're called to how we're called to live. And yes, we have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. And aren't you glad, boy? I sure am. But that doesn't give us permission just to pretend that there's no command at all in Scripture that there's. No requirement of God, no call to live a holy and faithful life that honors him. Uh, this passage that we'll look at next week, Colossians 3, 17, um, ends with that verse, Colossians 3, verse 17, that says that everything we say and everything we do is done uh, as an act of worship. It's done to honor and glorify our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's look at uh, these commandments in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 5 through 11. And we'll go through it. And remember, there are other passages that you can look at. Romans 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Galatians chapter 5, as we mentioned, Ephesians 4 and 5, James chapter 2, 1 Peter 4, 2 Peter 1. All of these <laughs> are passages, and there are others, of course, that call us to live uh, a certain way. They call us to honor God and glorify Christ by being faithful to his word and living according to his teaching. And um, as I've said before, I believe that one of the purposes, one of the primary purposes of the New Testament is to tell Christians how we should live. Uh, that matters to God. It matters to God how we live. It matters to God the values that we have. And we hear Jesus say that the two greatest commandments are to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and the second, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's the general statement. But then when you go to fleshing those things out, what does that look like? What does that look like if you're loving your neighbor as yourself? What does it look like if you're putting God first, if you're loving God with everything about you? Well, it means that you're obedient to his commands. And if you accept Scripture as the inspired and authoritative Word of God, then you accept that there are commands of God in there. And we don't mold them to fit our desires. Like Jesus, we say, I have come to do your will, O God. And um, 
some of that, sometimes that will is uh, avoiding certain behavior. Remember Colossians 3 starts out with that general call to set our minds and our hearts on things above, on the eternal things, not things below, not the carnal things, not the earthly things, not the fleshly things. Um, and so that leads us to Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11. So let's just try to look at this passage and go through these lists. First of all, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature or the flesh. And then he begins to list them, sexual immorality uh, and impurity. We understand um, that there is a, a great call in our nation to not fulfill that at all. That it's almost as if there's no such thing as sexual immorality. That whatever gives you enjoyment and with whomever you find enjoyment, that, it, that it's okay. Because the most important thing is for you to be happy. The most important thing is for you to feel something at an emotional level. Well, the, those things are not in Scripture. <laughs> you can't find them anywhere. God wants us to have joy, but not the kind of joy that is fleeting because of, of pleasure. But rather, it's the kind of joy that is eternal because of being willing to give yourself first to God and then in service to others. A part of that means keeping ourselves sexually pure. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, and that list that he gives there, really even in, in that whole chapter, speaks a lot about sexual immorality. And he tells us to run from it, to flee from it. Uh, we remember the Old Testament story uh, of Joseph when he was a slave for Potiphar, an Egyptian official. And Mrs. Potiphar kept trying to make passes at at Joseph because she wanted him sexually and he kept turning her down and finally she trapped him inside the house and he had to leave his garment and run rather than stay there and commit what he knew was a sinful act before his God and because of that the woman cried rape she accused him of sexual assault because of her pride and being rejected by this Hebrew slave and uh, and he was put in prison and all of this of course uh, was used by God to work out his will to save the people of Joseph, the people of God. Um, but nonetheless, it was that important to Joseph to maintain his sexual purity that he ran. He ran, even though he knew he could be accused. Um, for us, there's constant calls throughout Scripture to be sexually pure. The sexual relationship is a wonderful thing. It's something that has been given by God. It's a blessing, but it is a blessing to be fulfilled by the Creator who gave it to us. And that call is for it to be fulfilled strictly between a husband, a male husband, and his female wife. Um, in, the, in the beginning, going all the way back to Genesis, God created us male and female, and God called Adam and Eve together. And uh, Adam said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave be sexually fulfilled and complete and uh, uh, be able to have that wonderful relationship with his wife and the two will be one flesh. Throughout human history, uh, we have abused and broken that commandment. Adultery is condemned in Old Testament and New. That's when two individuals who are not married to each other, but one of them, at least one of them is married to someone else is um, are sexually involved with each other. 
Um, homosexuality is, is a sin before God. Our society is accepting it more and more and more. It's almost hard to watch any kind of program on television that doesn't have sexual immorality uh, in many scenes, including homosexuality. There, there's an agenda out there that's just trying to make that more and more acceptable. And even if our society says it's acceptable, it, it's against scripture. It's against scripture such as this one right here in Colossians 3. Uh, Galatians 5 specifically names that. Romans 1 specifically names that. 1 Corinthians 6 specifically names that as a sin. Even though our society accepts it, even though many of our friends and family members will practice it, we love the sinner, but we call out the sin for what it is. It's contrary to the will of God. Um, and Paul does that right here as he speaks against all sexual immorality and impurity. Lust is the next one, certainly related to that. As we, as Jesus, we remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, you know, it's been written, don't commit adultery. Uh, but he says, I say to you, if you look at someone with lust in your heart that is not your partner, uh, your spouse, your husband, your wife, then you have committed adultery uh, with them already in your heart and you are just as guilty. Uh, God calls that out and that begins with that evil desire or, or lust. We have to draw the difference between temptation and sin. And I think lust is one of the ways, a good example of being able to try to differentiate those uh, because you can, um, you can be tempted to sin without sinning. That's certainly true and that's certainly the biblical teaching. And I think, um, I think homosexuality is a good example of that. There are some people who uh, are wired differently, they say, to where they are uh, predisposed to have an attraction for the, the same sex rather than the opposite sex. And I'm, I'm not going to deny that they may have that attraction and that they may have that chemistry, whatever that is. But what I will say is that all that means is that they are tempted that way. You may say, I could never be tempted to um, uh, commit a homosexual act. I could never be tempted to be unfaithful to my spouse. And that's great. I'm glad to hear that. But just remember that you are tempted in other areas where somebody else might not be. And so it's important to remember that differentiation between temptation and sin, realizing that all of this list that we're going to have to look at pretty quickly here in a moment, all of them uh, affect different people differently. Some are tempted by one thing, some by something else. And so it's um, uh, the same sex attraction or uh, having a, a, a very active sex drive. All of those things are just temptations that we have to guard against, that God calls us to maintain control over. Uh, Paul says, um, I will not allow my body to make me its slave, but rather he says, I discipline myself again in 1 Corinthians 6, and I discipline myself so that my body is the slave and I am the master, really God is the master. Um, Put to death, therefore, Colossians 3, verse 5, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Materialism is just as sinful as homosexuality. And there is that, that temptation to, to want things, more and more things, to build bigger barns, as the man in Luke 6 did. 
Uh, greed is a sin. It's a horrible sin that ruins our lives and deprives others of the help that perhaps we could give them. Uh, there are no good sins and bad sins in this list or in the others I've mentioned. They're just sins. Anything that causes us to break the commandment of God, to be disobedient to his will, that is what scripture calls a sin. And lists like these give us examples. They're not complete lists, but they give us examples. We continue on in verse 6 of Colossians 3. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Romans 1 says the same thing. In fact, has that haunting statement as he's talking about the sins of the Gentiles, where he says three different times God gave them over. God turned them over to live the way they want to live. But scripture says in Romans 1, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It says the same thing here in Colossians 3. Uh, let it not be said that God doesn't punish evil, <laughs> that God doesn't punish sin. He takes it very seriously, so seriously that he gave his son on the cross so that we could be forgiven. The good news about lists like this is even though we struggle with some of them, and we all struggle with some of them, and nobody struggles with all of them, but we all struggle with some. And, and again, that struggle is different depending on what you're tempted where your temptations lie. Uh, but here it says, because of these things, when we give in to those temptations, those things bring about the wrath of God without the blood of Christ helping us, forgiving us, and the Spirit of God helping us to say no to these things, to overcome them. Um, then we would be experiencing the wrath of God. Verse 7 of Colossians 3, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Uh, <clears throat> Paul does similar things in Ephesians 4. Uh, we read about that new creation in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about being dead in our sins and then made alive with Christ through his grace and our response of faith. Same thing in Titus 3. There are many passages that talk about how as Christians, we are new creatures. And we talk about that from a salvation perspective that says that's what gives us the ability to be saved through Jesus Christ. But sometimes we forget that baptism also doesn't just bring about our salvation through the blood of Christ. It also calls us to be raised to live a new life. We saw that in Colossians 2, echoing Romans chapter 6. This passage here, 2 Corinthians 5, saying we are new creations in Christ Jesus. All of this means that we live a certain kind of life. We, are, we live a life that honors and glorifies God and is willing to deprive ourselves of those things that we're tempted to involve ourselves with that are forbidden according to Scripture. Yes, there are thou shalt nots in the New Testament. This is one of those lists in Colossians 3. And so he says, you must also, in addition to the, what he's already said, rid yourselves of all such things as these. So if you've been listening so far and you've said, oh, that's great. I don't, I'm not tempted with any of those, those things. Bill, score. Uh, well, list isn't over yet. Um, now, verse 8, you must rid yourself also of, of such things as these. So again, not a complete list, but these are the kinds of things that are forbidden by God. These are things that are specifically stated. Um, 
And so he goes on with this list, and you may find yourself a little bit more susceptible to the ones he mentions now. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Verse 8. Those things are all sinful. They're all wrong. Scripture gives us examples when Jesus was angry. And so we understand that there's a certain type of anger that he's talking about here, an anger that is out of control, an anger that is unjustified. Um, and, and that kind of anger is sinful. Uh, all of these things that he mentions, rage, malice, slander, um, you may not be uh, uh, tempted to be unfaithful to your wife or your husband. You may not be tempted to commit a homosexual act. You may not be tempted to kill someone, but you may very well be tempted to slander someone, to gossip, to, to say bad things about someone else that are uncalled for. Uh, scripture is very clear. It tells us to go to that person if we're concerned about those things. And if that doesn't help, then we take someone with us and we go to that person. And if that doesn't help, then we go to the church and we go to that person. There's never, 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 never justification for gossip and slander and malice. Never. I hope that's clear. But God considers that divisive and sinful and wrong. And because of that, the wrath of God is coming just as much as any form of sexual immorality or any other sin. Uh, it's just something we need to stop doing. It hurts the church. It hurts another person. It hurts us in our hearts. Uh, God condemns it. Uh, he continues on in verse 9. Uh, at, well, the end of verse 8, filthy language from your lips. Again, in our society, in our culture, people don't seem to care. Just talk any way you want. Just say anything you want. And I, I got to admit, when we're watching TV or when we're watching movies or maybe hearing uh, someone talk that's a friend of ours or a relative of ours that uses filthy language, it, it, it is hard. And, and it works against us building up that wall that keeps ourselves from doing it. But we must never forget that those things dishonor Christ. We must remember, it. would it be okay for me to speak that way if Jesus were standing right beside me? I, th I think we have to remember that we do honor God, as Colossians 3 verse 17 uh, says, with everything we do, but also with everything we say. Does your speech honor God? That's the question. Um, verse 9, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practice practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Again, why do we have a list like this? Because we're new creator. We're new creations. Our creator has made us and we sinned and now he has made us new again through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he says a part of that new life is you tell the truth. You don't lie. You don't lie. You tell the truth even when it's hard. And again, this may be something you struggle with that you don't necessarily struggle with many of the others on this list. But this one is just as wrong as any of the rest of them. Uh, you tell the truth. Do not lie to each other. Why? Because that's not who you are. You're a new creature in Christ. God has made you new. The old life of sin is gone. You've been raised to live a new life that glorifies God. 
here in this new life in the community of God's people called the church of which Christ is the head as he has said in Colossians chapter 1 here Colossians 3 verse 11 here there is no Gentile or Jew there's no Jew or non-Jew <laughs> no circumcised or uncircumcised same thing Jew non-Jew no barbarian or Scythian the Scythians were early uh, uh, people who lived in what we might call today the southern part of, of Russia in that area, general area, and they were considered to be very barbaric. They were uncivilized. They were crude. Um, what Paul says is, yeah, maybe a lot of people find them unacceptable, but in the church, in the eyes of God, he looks past those things to the heart and to the life that reflects uh, a constant desire to overcome these temptations that he's listed in verses 5 through 10. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian, no slave or free. This doesn't mean slavery is okay. It doesn't mean that at all. It simply means that in the sight of God, your economic position, your uh, standing in the community, in society, your social standing level, those things don't matter to God. You can serve God wherever you are, whether you have lots of power or no power, whether you're at the top of the totem pole or the very bottom. Many of the Christians that received the messages that we're reading in these letters were individuals who, because of their faith, had been ostracized from the rest of, of the uh, society and blamed for a lot of things. Nero famously blamed Christians for setting the fire that destroyed much of Rome. Um, and it wasn't true. It just wasn't true, but that's what he did to shield, protect himself and his own political standing. And it caused great persecution to fall upon Christians. Um, that's, we, we're, whether you're at the top or the bottom, uh, God looks at you equally. And he looks at you as someone created in his image that is called now, having been baptized into Jesus Christ, as Colossians 2 says, raised to live a different life, a new life, a life that honors God. Whatever else is going on in your life, you can do that. You can do that. No Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And that's what gives us that connection. That's what allows us to be able to do all of these things and to be able to avoid and overcome all of this uh, sinfulness in the eyes of God. Uh, we don't see those uh, sins being completely overcome and eradicated, even though he calls us to do that, but we're working on it. And that's the question, are you working on it? Uh, are you working on those sins that he lists here? And remember, this isn't a complete list. He says, sins such as these, rid yourselves of all things such as these. So we don't look down on others and discriminate others simply because of their race. That's condemned in the words I just read. Did you catch that? There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. There's no racial uh, demographic that is uh, contrary to God's will or God's call. They're, we're all equal in the eyes of God. We're all created in his image. There's no economic status that makes you more acceptable to God. Uh, we're all created in God's image, and um, and and for us to be predisposed to 
prejudice because of those things is is absolutely sinful and and you may have to work on that some and you can point to others and say well what about them and and, and aren't they worse than i am and none of that matters to god because we don't compare ourselves with others we compare ourselves with the perfect and holy son of god jesus of nazareth and we realize we won't measure up but it doesn't give us permission to not grow more and more in the image of christ that's what these passages that's what these new testament books are 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 supposed to do their purpose is to help christians live more faithfully in the eyes of god uh, and around their culture and their society well these are the thou shalt nots is there a place for this kind of teaching today well it's not very popular but i got to tell you it wasn't very popular in the first century either they were filled with immorality uh, they were filled with idolatry uh, you look at Pilate and his interaction with Jesus when Jesus says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And do you remember the question Pilate asked, being a good politician? What is truth? He asked. He had, he had completely forgotten what truth is. had lost it completely in his growth politically in power. Um, and it's a temptation for those in politics today to just put truth aside and to do what is best for their political interests. It's wrong, sinful, but we have to remember that we face the same temptations. Uh, we are called upon to live faithfully based on the authority of Scripture, uh, genuinely, sincerely, uh, that these things are demonstrated by how we live our lives and how we uh, guard our speech, and that we are to live humbly acknowledging our own humanity and sinfulness again on uh, next week we're going to spend a couple of lessons on the flip side of this the thou shalts and uh, and it will end with that great passage in colossians 3 verse 17 that says whatever you say whatever you do do it all to honor god in the name of our lord jesus christ but i want us to end today with this great verse from first corinthians chapter 6 it's another list it's another list, and it's a powerful one, and it's one that condemns us all. In 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9, listen to these words from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. A list very similar to the one we read in Colossians 3. Calls out sexual immorality, calls out homosexuality, calls out those who are greedy and materialistic. A very similar list. But then it says this in verse 11. And that is what some of you were. The church at Corinth, a very sinful city, one of the centers of Greek culture and then Roman culture, in modern day Greece, the city of Corinth was a horribly sinful place to live. And as Paul wrote to the church there, he told the Christians, you know, you some of you used to live like this. This is this is this describes the way you used to live. But just as in Colossians 3, when he contrasts that old life with a new life, being raised to live a new life, he does the same thing here. And that is what some of you were, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Whatever sin you're struggling with, whatever the temptation is that you have, and you know, you know that Scripture says that it is sinful, you can overcome it. First of all, God can forgive you through the blood of Jesus Christ, just as he says, being washed in that blood, being baptized into Christ, and, and seeing that, that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit uh, acting in your life to bring about the forgiveness of your sins, and then raised to live a new and different life, a faithful life. You'll still struggle with the temptations. That won't go away. But you can overcome them now. And the question is, are you working to overcome them? These lists that we've read today, these thou shalt nots, you can be forgiven, you can be washed, but it does not give you permission to continue to live that way. We're called upon to help each other as fellow Christians to overcome these things in our lives. And I pray that you're a part of a church family that honors God's word, that respects other people, but that does so in a way that will respect the word of God as well. And even though it might be in love, we are still called to speak the truth and to live and act the truth. That's what Ephesians 4 says. Verse 15, speak the truth in love. We speak it, we act it, we share it, we live it. And, and completely, yes, of course. But again, doesn't give us permission to just continue on sinning so that grace might increase, as Paul asks rhetorically in Romans 6. Why? Because we're new creatures. That's not who we are anymore. It's who we used to be. But we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I look forward to the thou shalts and the great positive faith that we have going through that list and the remainder of Colossians 3 with you next week. God bless.